Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's hot. It's hot. I don't do well in the heat. Uh, do you? Do you fare better in cold or hot weather? Because I'm. I don't mind heat. I feel like you know. I, I went for you know my first thirty years without ever having air conditioning and like yes, and then you know started shacking up with women that had air conditioning and like that, <laughs> and that I lost plan, my huh? edge, man. That was the plan. Yeah, but I feel what like did- back in the day. I mean, maybe it's because I was younger, but I feel like also like I just like. I, I acclimated like I feel like now we don't acclimate to summer you know like I feel like yeah I used to acclimate like the first couple of hot days would be horrible but then like you'd kind of acclimate to it yeah yeah I mean I lived without I lived without uh I lived without air conditioning for most of my life yeah I mean, um and I and I hated it every time <laughs> I didn't have it you know it's funny it was I grew up with like one AC in the house it was in my brother's room and if it was a really, really hot night, everyone had to go sleep in my brother's room. Oh, my God. And that was the deal. And then we moved into another house with no AC. And then, you know, long story, but my family splits up. And now I'm in this two-bedroom apartment with my mom that just got built. It's in one of these, like, apartment complexes that just got built. Fuck, man. You put the AC on that place. 68 degrees in about right. four minutes and it cost about $14 to do for like the whole month. Right. The model of efficiency. I'm not saying I want to move my family into a low income two bedroom apartment where, you know, where I grew up, but, uh, the AC was fucking nice. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. When you need it. I mean, there's times when you need it for sure. It's yeah. really, but you know, it's the fucking humidity, dude. I mean, if you were going to, if I were going to build my dream house, that it would be it would be central dehumidifying and then ceiling fans. Wow! I don't like it when it's too cold. I don't like it. You know, I I can never understand people who keep their houses colder in the summer than they do in the winter. Like that just nah. doesn't make sense. Like what's <laughs> the, the relief? <laughs> it's the sweet relief. It's like uh, when you yeah, come yeah. out and you just walk into it and you're like, oh, it's so nice. Yeah, it's great at first, and then you get cold. So why don't you explain to people who can't see what you're looking at right now? I'm looking at shirtless <laughs> Benny, <laughs> sweating in his bedroom. You like what you see? Wait, I am. I'm. I'm actually live streaming this. This is for the, for the patrons. I don't care. There's a lot. A lot of people who see me without my shirt off. I used to have the confidence. Like I really do 
enjoy playing drums without a shirt on. Like, it's nice. It feels good. It frees me up. But there's been only a couple times in my life and career that I've had, like, the confidence and feeling good enough about myself to have a shirtless period. And usually something really messes it up. And I was just feeling good about myself, like, a couple years ago. And I'm doing research for a book uh, for that Gaslight, um, you know, the re-release right. we did, the 59 sound book. And I'm, I'm on Getty Images looking at images of the band. You know, like 90% of them are Brian. And then I get to like one little section that's me. Oh, my God. It's these shots from like one of the worst shows we ever played. It was like, I think it was the first show on the American slang touring when you played um, Bonnaroo, you know, the one down in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in tour shape yet. It was very hot. I didn't have my stuff ready. So I go ahead and I just rip my shirt off and play Bonnaroo without a shirt. The only images on Getty Images of me that you can purchase for your own pleasure <laughs> are like these side fucking like like spare tire shots with like my stomach just hanging over my jeans playing drums like the biggest muffin top it's like it's like they were shooting the muffin top not me you know and it's just like not your legacy on getty images yeah and i imagined i imagined like the actual experience happening and me flopping around probably not looking so good up there and that that fucked me up for like probably another five years, unless uh, unless I get my old man Iggy Pop body. That's what I'm going for now. I don't want to be jacked. I want whatever the fuck <laughs> Iggy Pop's got going on, where he's like obviously in great shape, but his skin's kind of just hanging yeah. off, you know. Well, he's like, old, man. I know, but he looks great. Yeah, he looks amazing for his age. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's been my history. I even joke around like anytime we've done TV stuff. Like, you know, when you do those late night shows, there's always like drummer cam like back there. Right. The guy's like back there. Right. And I always fuck around with that guy. I'm like, yo, do me a favor. <laughs> keep it keep it breast up, okay? Let's keep these <laughs> let's keep these mud flaps out of the shot. Do me a favor. I don't need these flapping around on oh. fucking Jimmy Kimmel or whatever's happening, you know? Man, you're in you're in you're in good shape, buddy. <sighs> Good enough. Yeah, I've never, I've you never been able to, off. I've never been able to go over the hump. You know, I get, I've learned about myself too. Is like, I need inspiration to get in shape. Like, I don't have the self will to just like wake up every day and be positive and forward enough that I'm like, I'm gonna eat right, I'm gonna treat my body right, and I'm gonna do this because it's the best thing to do. Like more often than not, I'm gonna slip into some sort of dark hole. And before I know it, I'm having a sandwich, fucking up some grilled cheese for lunch, not feeling so good about myself, some scotch for dinner, you know, and like before I know it, I'm not doing so well. The only thing that like gets me motivated to get into shape is if I have shows or tours. Right. Literally. It's the only thing. So I guess the only way you can get me into shape is if it's for like a job. <laughs> so. Yeah. The, this is know, not man. a good time for diets right now. I'll tell no, you. No. 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 I was doing, you know. The paranoid side of me was doing really well at first because all the inactivity I had was met with like a fear of getting food. 
So right. I was doing no overeating whatsoever. Actually, quite the opposite. I was like, I'm not eating that because I want the kids to have that tomorrow. And I don't feel like going to the store again for like three more weeks because oh. it's terrifying, you know? Right. So at first, when things were really scary as far as like, what's going to happen to our supply? Is the distribution chain going to be messed up? Like, you know, I really thought that was possible. So that was keeping me slim at first. And then when I realized my fat ass could get whatever I want, whenever I want, basically, if I'm wearing a mask. Uh, and then I wasn't playing drums and then I wasn't working out. Yeah. Now it's gotten bad. I look like shit now. Well, at least we eat, eat healthier. I mean, when you eat at home, right? I mean, I do. Yes, I have to. I'm on lockdown at home. You know, like, uh, you know, we don't we don't let certain things into the house. Right. Yeah. You've got I, I could. Yeah. I go ahead and sneak some Taco Bell, but that shit's not coming through the front door. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely drink every night, which I don't wasn't doing before. Pandemic. You do. Yeah. Not a lot. What is, like two, two beers. Sometimes you do three, a beer, but no, more, never more than like three. You beer, never do wine. A, I do wine. Or sometimes wine. a cocktail. I'm one of those, yeah, I'm very yeah. like, I'm very inf- easily influenced. Like if I'm watching a movie and they pour a shot of, of whiskey, I go straight to the cabinet. Yeah, it's hard. I always, hard not I always to. try to have a couple nice, uh, nice single malts and whatever in there. Yeah, what's that drink Don Draper would drink on Mad Men? He had a drink. I can't remember. It was an, old, an old-fashioned, maybe. Oh, yeah, it sounds like a real And I remember 60s. being like, man, I got to try one of these, an old-fashioned. I ordered it. It was disgusting. It's like sugar. It's like Ugh. mashed sugar and fruit, right? Like a Terrible. cherry mashed up. Yeah, Terrible. it's pretty bad. I don't know how these did. It was like the white claw of the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, speaking of white claw, that would be a good nickname for Matt if he didn't, if he didn't, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, like if that, if that drink they didn't, they didn't uh, take off, I could see the white claw being could, a real good still nickname for him. Yeah, maybe I'll, yeah, I'll appropriate it the right way since that stuff sucks, but <laughs> I've been a big fan of the Bronx from, like, the get of the Bronx. Like, literally, you know, as he was talking about in the interview that, that you'll get to, ironically, you know, they, they they you know, rose to prominence really fast. And out of yeah. nowhere, there was this, like, band name that was fucking everywhere. And they had that great cover art with the, you know, bleeding fangs on the first record. And it was just like, what is this? And, you know, luckily for me, they were on this trajectory, but, you know, my friend's label was the one that was putting out their first album and they were like deeply connected to my situation. So I got to see and hang out with the Bronx a lot early on and I was never disappointed. You know, (laughs) every time I heard them, every time I saw them, every time I hung out with them, I was like, I fucking love this band, even to the point I'm wearing a Bronx hat. On the cover of the biggest album I ever did, you know? Right. Um, so, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of the band, and I was so happy to have him on. And Matt is, like, a really dynamic character, you know? Like, if you saw him on stage, you'd be like, oh, this is, like, maybe, like, a scary punk rock guy. And he's just, like, really sweet, really positive, down for a party. And he's a real punk rocker, for right. sure. But definitely not, like... You don't get like a Sid Vicious vibe from him, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's a wholesome he's, punk. He's a nice guy. <laughs> he's just a nice guy. You know, he's easy to talk to. Talk Lakers with him. Talk Dodgers. Talk music, and and he's just a lot of fun to be around. So, yeah, I was really glad that uh, that we were able to make this happen, and he came on. 
Let's check it out. Yeah, long interview. Let's get into it. Matt, you just caught us in the middle of. So Brad, you know, lives in New York City, yeah, and decided to make the venture to the Jersey Shore last weekend. Oh, without consulting his boy here, (laughs) really went to like the real like trashy bay part of the ocean where like it was, you know, it's it's where like the NASCAR fans, like, take off their coats and take a dip, you know? He didn't realize. Yeah, he should like, call this boy. It's like an oil slick. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the beaches there aren't even soft. Like, like the sand even hurts there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's like Santa Monica over here. If you go to, like, Santa Monica, like, everything around, like, the pier where, like, the, you know, the roller coaster and kind of all that, like, like kind of famous stuff is it's just like you can't even swim in that water like venice is, is still kind of clean but yeah like santa monica is usually just it just looks like a big oil slick through there it's just really it's, it's disgusting yeah <laughs> see and i imagine it as like well you I just mean, think it's like it's like all just like it's like corn dog water you know what i mean it's like all like i always just imagine just like all the greasy stuff from the pier and just like <laughs> trash and just I, I don't know. I just, no thank you, you know? I mean, what kind of area, is it like the type of area where people feel the liberty to like, you know, oh, I'm going to eat street food and like eat half of it and throw the rest into the water and shit? Like, yeah, like I, that? I mean, I think so. I've been there on numerous occasions, okay? Numerous occasions where literally the water's been like, you've blocked off. Like, you can't go swim. Oh. like you get, Yeah, 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 yeah. Like so environmentally it's like, restricted. Yeah, and it's literally like for the from what I've seen, it's literally just around that area because you know Malibu's historic, you know, obviously, sure, and, and, sure. and you know the the water up there is is good to go. And you know, I I don't know enough about the uh, about the Venice water to to speak on it, but that's I know it, it has it has some issues in the past, you know. And then it's like, you know, the, that's the thing about the the LA beaches are tricky, man, because it's so expensive to live there but some of the water is suspect man it's yeah, like yeah that's uh that's the kind of thing about orange county that if you're if you surf or if you're a fan of the beach uh as far as like you know the ocean itself it's just a little bit cleaner down here you know huh. which is uh which goes a long way when you do a lot of swimming or you enjoy the ocean you know you don't want to be running into needles or or oh, corn yeah. dogs what's <laughs> your spot like what's your what's your go-to spot or are you allowed uh, to say, well, I, can you not blow it up on the air? No, 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 no. I, I live in Huntington Beach, so, I mean, okay. it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's right here, down here right now, it is, I mean, it is, you are living in, you know, in a comic book, pretty much. It's like, it's crazy. I mean, the climate down here between politics and pandemics and summertime and, and all that stuff. It's just, it's completely insane. But the water's clean. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Yeah. So it's not just Revelation Records anymore, huh? No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's still, there's, there's, there's always been a, a, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of history down here, yeah. you know, good and bad, you sure. know, but, uh, but it's an interesting place to live for sure. You know, I, I grew up in, in Los Angeles, like, kind of outskirts of East LA, a city called Pico Rivera. Okay. And obviously, you know, spent a lot of time in Los Angeles, you know, as, you know, the, the Bronx and, and Mariachi Bronx kind of 
you know, took off and started and, you know, I grew up and lived there, lived in the valley, all that stuff. And I kind of moved down this way about, uh, I don't know, about 15 years ago, something like that, just to kind of get away from everything. And, uh, I, you know, I, I love the beach, the city itself, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a cool place to live. If you have like, you know, if you got, if you got a, if you got a brain, you can think for yourself, you know, it's like a lot of people think a lot of different things about it. And most of them are true, but for me actually living here, I can navigate it, you know? So it's all good. Is it like when you grow up in LA, is it like a, you know, cause like in my head, like if you're like a born and bred New Yorker, and you got to make the move out to like Jersey or Long Island or something. There's kind of like a swallowing of pride. Like the coolest thing and the most respect thing is to, you know, like live and die miserably inside of the city. Um, is there like the same thing in L.A.? Like when you start going out to the outskirts of Orange County, people are like, Psh, you should. Oh, see I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the beef is real, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, L.A. is definitely, uh, you know, got the culture and, and the coolness, you know, but it's just, uh, you know, California in general, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's tough. Cause I mean, if I wasn't, if I wasn't from here, if I wasn't, you know, born and raised here, I probably would have left a long time ago, you know, cause right. it's so, it's so expensive and it's, it's, it's getting to a point where it's just, it's, it's completely like overthought, you know? So it's like, uh, you know, it's just hard to like find any sort of like, uh, you know, simplicity sometimes, or just mm-hmm. like, you know, any, any sort of like, um, you know, like you, you, you want, you find yourself kind of like, you, you don't know, you never want to be that guy. that's like, fuck, I wish it was like, I wish we could like go back a little bit, you know, or, you <laughs> yeah. know, but it's like, it's just a little, it, it's, it's, it's a little crazy, you know, it's like, yeah. it, what it's do you mean by a hard overthought? place to, uh, it's, it's a hard place to get comfortable, you know, but it's like, I, for me, it's like, I can't really ever see myself leaving, you know, just because it's like, I mean, I, I, I love it, you know, but it's like, you know, between Los Angeles, Orange County, you know, San Diego, San Francisco, you know, there's, there's so much, you know, yeah. there's so much diversity and culture and, and, and awesome people, you know, so for sure, um, if you can kind of find a way to skate around, you know, the bullshit, which is kind of why I came down here, you know, yeah, and it's like, yeah. if you can kind of find a way to get around that and find yourself like a little spot that's not, you know, four grand a month or something right, like that, right. then, then you'll, you'll probably be stoked. You know, it's something about the California thing. It doesn't even matter where you go, you know, like, so I'm hanging out with, with hammer from violent gentlemen. I don't know if you know this, this great clothing company out of orange County. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. And, you know, he was nice enough to put me up at his place and put my band up at his place last time we were there. And, you know, we're having a conversation outside. I'm explaining to him, you know, the trouble I have with sleep because, you know, I'm a New Yorker and neurotic and paranoid and like like we all need to do something weird to sleep. It's just like part of the nature here. And he's just like, yeah, you know, like I just go to bed. You know, I usually like just put my head in the pillow, pass out and wake up about 10 hours later. I'm like, what? That's it? You know, and and I'm like, wait a minute. Are you born and raised in Orange County? Like, have you never lived anywhere else? He's like, nope. And I started doing like some field research almost and just people <laughs> I know. And there is honestly, there's just this like. It's the same <laughs> There's something. There's just an ease to the mind. There's something about 
waking up in California every day for your entire life that just like does something differently to your spirit than than growing up on the East Coast, man. It's definitely. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. I mean, I remember the you know the first time I uh, that, that I went to the East Coast. I remember waking up uh, in New York for the first time. And, you know, stumbling out uh, around 9 a.m. or something like that. And this, the, you know, this city almost swallowed me whole, you know, my first two steps on the sidewalk. I couldn't believe how fast people were moving, how loud everything was. You know, I'm just like, you know, where's my where, where's my avocados? You know, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's just like, I mean, I mean, I, I fell in love with it instantly. You know, right, like right. I, I was just like, well, because, you know, I was just like, I can't. This is it's so cool to experience like both coasts, you know, sure. it's like, it's something that, that, you know, if, if you haven't, it's like, it, it's unreal. It's so cool. And what, like what makes them so different and it's so rad and so true how, you know, East coasters just, you know, they just get after it and they just go for it and they're just fucking moving nonstop, you know? And it's like at the West coast is the exact opposite. You know, it's like right. we, we, we get our stuff done, but it's laid back. You know, yeah. it's laid back and it's slow and it's, 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 it's got a whole different style, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so it was really cool to, to be able to experience that. And, and, and I really do, I love it and I appreciate it, you know? And then you have, you know, and then you get weirder, you know, as you go into the middle, I mean, you throw that Texas lifestyle in there. I don't even know what that is, you know? I think Texas is more like us, you know, they're really, they're kind of aggressive. They drive fast. They sort of have this like irrational pride about where they're from, that it's like the greatest place in the world and, and nowhere true. else is good. Very um, true. You know, especially like the cities in Texas, like I'm driving around and I'm like, this feels like strangely familiar to me. These people are just kind of unnecessarily angry and aggressive, you know, yeah. which, which does feel familiar. But then, like you said, you know, you you uh, if you hit, you know, Texas at the east or west coast and you see that, oh, you're like, oh, I have 900 miles to get through this fucking thing. You know, you drive through like a lot of, you know, all of a sudden you're in something that feels like Oklahoma, then you're in something yeah. that feels like Arizona, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, that's just a, who knows? We, we could, we, and it's basically Mexico anyway, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, I love Texas, man. I love it. Like I was thinking I could, like, where can I live if I did, you know, leave California and I, I could definitely do Texas. I, you I could. Love, yeah, I could. Where about you think? I mean, you know, I mean, I, yeah, Austin's automatic, you know, but Austin's so insane. It's like, sure. it's so, it's like, it, it, at this point, it's like, you know, 10 cities in one. Um, but it's like, it, it's still a, such a rad place and such a cool place for artists and musicians. I could do Dallas, you know, I, I love Dallas. I think Dallas has come a long way. It's got a lot more kind of culture and art to it now. Sure. Um, you know, it's like, and, you know, I couldn't do Houston because Houston, the weather's just too crazy. You know, it's just <laughs> right. like, it, yeah. it's, it's too nuts. It literally changes every 10 minutes or whatever, you know? So, but I mean, I could also, you know, I could be one of those dudes that just, you know, has, you know, a, like a, you know, like a 83 Ford truck and just has some, you know, <laughs> weird, like just, you know, shack in the middle of nowhere and just kind of, you know, as long as I can, as long as I can get some sort of electricity, you know, a refrigerator, Wi-Fi signal, 
I, I'll be I'll be fine. I could do that Texas life, man. I don't I don't I don't mind it. Ranch. So are you like when, <laughs> when you get yeah when you when you get home from tour and you're not working and stuff like are you uh, are you kind of a homebody? Do you like do you like being at home? Uh, I mean, I appreciate being at home. I don't. I'm not really like a, a, a hermit or anything like that. I mean, I, I like I, I love being able to get home and, and, and unwind and, and like you know, but kind of like unpack mentally, you know, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. But um, but I like uh, I like living life, man. You know, I, yeah. I like I like going out and doing stuff and, and and you know, driving places and you know, experiencing things and talking to people and. And, uh, and, and kind of, you know, and just doing that. I mean, I, I appreciate being at home, but, uh, you know, I don't need to do it too often. Sure. Well, I mean, that being said, uh, you know, how, how's your uh, mind been and how's your productivity been during, uh, the quarantine? Like where, where exactly are you at and, and how you've been, uh, keeping yourself and your mind occupied during this time? It's crazy, man. I mean, it, it's, uh, it honestly, it changes day to day, you know, right. it's like, uh, uh, overall it's been pretty good. You know, you got to keep like, you know, I, I guess a higher perspective, uh, sure. is what I, what I try to maintain, you know, it's like, I'm still alive. I'm, you know, still healthy and, you know, I'm living by the beach and I may not be playing music right now, but I play music for a living and, you know, I'm doing my thing. So, you know, it's like it, 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 all in all, it's like you know everything is 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 still you know um, positive, you know. But right. it's like it's definitely yeah, the grand scale. But you know, it's like then you start. I mean, this is the most. I mean, dude. I mean, you know, it's like Bronx tours nonstop. So it's like this is literally sure. the longest I've been home in fifteen years. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like, and it, once that kind of hits you, then you're kind of like, whoa, that's kind of fucked up. And then you're like. <laughs> And then you start playing that mental game where you just go down these rabbit holes. Like the other day, I was just like, it's so, like, it's it's such a trip to, like, you know, because so much of who I am yeah. is, like, based on what I do. So it's like, because, yeah, I mean, music is my life, you know? So right. it's like, yeah. and it's like, so then it's like, well, like, if I'm not, like, doing, I'm then it's like, wait a minute, who am I? And then you're just like, oh, you know, and then you're just like, you realize you're just like staring off into the distance and like a, you know, in like a supermarket or something. So you're just <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> what, what, what is this? Yeah. I mean, I saw you, I saw that piece you wrote for uh notfest.com mm. and, and I saw a part in it that almost was kind of um, giving off the feeling that not only like, who am I? But like, what have I been doing this whole time? And is there value in spending my entire life like making music and things like that? H have you reconciled that at all? Because when you wrote that piece, you seem seem pretty bummed out about it. No, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was funny about that thing. So I I wrote that. They're like, hey, you want to write something for for the Nafest? I was like, okay. So you know, I write this thing, and it's like I wrote it in the morning, and I was like holy shit, this is kind of dark. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of dark, you know? Well, it's a metal and, website, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And, uh, and I, was like, I was like, ah, and then, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I learned a while ago that it's like, you know, you, you actually, you, you have to, you know, you have to take a moment before you, 
put stuff out there because it's it's going to be out there forever. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like you got to realize, like, do you want like this may be how you feel, but do you want to show that to people? You know, do you want people right. to, to to know that? You know, so um, so I initially I, I said it to our, our manager Josh, and I was like, he's like, wow, man, this is kind of heavy. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't know, you know, and it's like, like five minutes after I sent him, I was like, dude, I was like, don't, let, let's just scrap this. It doesn't feel right. And then, yeah. so he's like, okay. And then, you know, like a, a week later, he got back to me. He was like, hey, uh, Nofest, you know, they really want to run that thing. They, they were really into it. They like, it was like, you know, it's like just kind of a, a raw thing and they were into it. So I reread it and I fixed a couple of things. I was like, all right. All right. So. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, I mean, so, it's real. But, it's real. And, and I think for any musician reading it, I, I don't, you know, I'd say 99% of musicians at some point along the point of doing this, and probably often, especially from talking about myself, have to reconcile that feeling, you know, like, like, is this important? Is this doing anything? And when there's something real happening in the world and something, um, that involves, you know, action or money or things that you can do to help. And you're like, oh, I just made a record with my friends. Like, did that do anything to, to help the world? Yeah. Um, it's all, it's hard to balance like the, 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 like, you know, the, the greater good with like, you know, the, your, your own life, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to kind of figure out right now for a lot of people, you know, not just musicians, uh, you know, but it's like, and that's kind of the thing. It's like when I was sitting with that, with that article, I was like, well, do I want to try to like, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a, a positive guy, you know? So it's yeah. like, I was like, do I want to try to like rewrite this ending to kind of make like a positive statement? And I was just like, nah, fuck it. You know, it's like, it is what yeah, it is. It's real. So, um, but yeah, it's like, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I 100% like, believe in in what I'm doing, what we're doing, what musicians do, what artists do, and, and, and all this stuff during this crazy time. It's just so weird. It's, there's so many, honestly, there's just so many, like, just insane conversations that take place in my head on a daily basis of just, like, and, and, and just, like, trying to, like, figure out, like, uh, trying to understand everything that's happening right now. And just yeah. like where, like where it's going, like what it all means, and it's just like it, it's just it's such a. I mean, it's a super crazy time, dude. I mean, it's like I I was you know looking back and and, and kind of reflecting on stuff, and it's like it's a trip to say, but it's like you know I'm, I'm 41 years old, and it's like this is most definitely without a doubt like the craziest time since I've been alive. Like yeah. the, it, it, like in my in my lifetime, this is sure. the most this is the fucking weirdest the world's been. You know what I mean? It's like hundred percent. Yeah. You know. You know what I mean? It's like you look at like you know it was sixty eight or whatever when it's like right. you had like the, like the second Kennedy got shot, Martin Luther King, and you know you had like all all like all crazy civil rights at the end of Vietnam and all that stuff. Like that yeah. must have been insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's like this. You know, this is like it, this is just it's just next level, man. And it's like I don't know where and like like where's where's it going. You know, that's the yeah. thing that I think a lot of people struggle with, and that's the hardest thing I think is you want to be able to grab onto something, you want to be able to to throw an anchor somewhere, and you just can't right yeah. now. You know, right. it's like you, you just can't, and it's like 
And so it's like, you know, if you have, you know, a lot of artists, they got issues, man. It's like me, I can, you know, I can get, I can get manic from time to time. So it's like when, when my brain starts going and it's just like, you just want, you know, you just want to be able to like, you know, you, and that's the thing too. It's crazy how sometimes, at least for me in these, in these type of times, and I think for a lot of people from friends yeah. I've been talking to, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to create. Like yeah. it's cause it, cause it's hard to like, it's hard to, it's hard to focus on one thing. Honestly, it's yeah. hard to, it's yeah. hard to sit down and be like, okay, like I'm going to write a song or I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do that. Like I, like I had a, a, like super crazy like moments last week of just like extreme inspiration where I like wrote and wrote and then I like, you know, right. recorded and did all these things and like, and it felt so good to finally feel that. Because yeah. it's like I was trying to like make it come out of me because I was like, God, everything around me sucks. I just want to yeah. do something fun, you know. And it's like I, it just, it, I just couldn't do it. It was just like God. It's just like I was just. I mean, I don't know how you've been during this thing, but it's like I've had, you know, it's like I, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty normal on like a, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm riding like a five or six out of ten on the, on a daily basis. Sure, but it's sure. like, dude, there was like, dude, like a month ago or something, dude, I had like a like. Two weeks. I had like a week and a half, two weeks straight, dude. Where I just, I was just like, dude, I was doing nothing. Yeah. Like, and I was just like, dude, this sucks. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it's I couldn't, crazy. It's I couldn't crazy. get out. Dude. I couldn't do anything if I tried, dude. I was like, right. I just, I just could not do it. And it was just like, God damn, this is brutal, you know. But it's like, uh, you know. But then it's like that. That's when you jump back into perspective, and you're like, okay, like fuck, you know, like I'm sitting here, you know creatively, you know, just mute, you know, and right. it's just like, but you're, but you know, it's like, I'm still, you know, it's like, I'm not George Floyd, you know, I'm not fucking yes. dead, you know, yes. I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that. And it's like, so you find, you know, you find ways to like, to, you know, to, to battle through it. And, you know, you realize that there's, that there's bigger things happening around you than you go, but it's like, it's almost like the bigger, the bigger picture is like a day job now. And so it's like, right. yes. you, you wake up and you have all these things that you can be a part of and you can, you can get online and you can read all these things and you can be an activist for all these people that don't have voices and you can do that. And then it's like, you know, then you come home from work and you hang your jacket up and you're just like, Ugh. what now what now well yeah I mean it's, it's such a strange thing to reconcile too because you know often when you know you're not feeling inspired to be creative you can find a lot of things in like real life that are like oh this is the reason I can't create right now this is the reason I'm not inspired and when you're literally like being told to be home told to do nothing and almost told to have that time in your head, you know, there's like no sensible reason why you shouldn't be creating constantly because I have the time that I've been asking for forever to just sit here and work and create. But, you know, early on in this, I tried to, you know, realize like during the whole time that like this is unprecedented, you know, and like any way I react or anything that happens on a day-to-day basis is fine because like, there's no roadmap for this. You know what I mean? There's no one who's coming out of it being like, you know what, during the digital age, this is the finest way to create in a pandemic. 
you know, like we're just we're we're paving the road. So it's it's like uh you know, I think maybe it does favor the people who were grinders and I'm not sure what you are, you know, like I think the people who need to set up situations for themselves to truly be inspired and and create in this like exact way they need to are probably suffering more than the people who are grinders, you know, the people who sit down every day at their computer or their guitar and they like make sure they get something out and make sure they create something. You know, those people, uh, you know, like the Kurt Vonnegut school of creation, like it doesn't matter what you put down every day that you're supposed to be improving your craft every day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, I think the grinders are doing fine, but I think the people who really need, and like you said, you know, most of the people who do this are, and you know, they're crazier than you or I, like, like I know that, like most of the people are way more impacted emotionally from the things around them and need a certain scenario in order to create the right way, you know? So it is, it's totally unprecedented. And I think if you have a couple weeks where, you know, you're not getting anything worthwhile down, like it's all right, man, you know, like, like it's cool. You should be easy on yourself. No, yeah, I mean you you got you get you got you gotta be, you know, you got you gotta be easy on yourself, you know. It, it's like it's it is. It's just it's unprecedented. It's just it's a it's a wild ride, like mentally, man. And it's like yeah. you know, it's like and it's it's not it's not even necessarily uh you know, I mean obviously it's a big part of that is is, you know, artistically and creatively, but just outside of it, just like, you know, like the weight of the world and, and what's happening and where it's all going. It's just like, I mean, it's, it's just insane, you know, I mean, but it's like, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, who knows, man? Well, I, I mean, think we that a do. lot of people yeah. are, uh, questioning their value in these times, you know, that's, mm. and like the fact that you can't just sit down and make art, but just because you have the time could, yeah, that could be really, uh, but the truth is, is like, why do you, this is why you see people on, you know, you see your friends on Facebook getting intense joy out of fucking cleaning the house. Or, you know what I mean? Because it's just like, yeah. it's it gives you a little bit of value. And it's also a simple, like, act that kind of harkens back to normal times. I mean, yeah. I was like, I went upstate a couple of weeks ago and helped a, another dad build a tree house. And I swear to God, it was the fucking most... It was th- it was the most satisfying thing I may have ever done in my life. <laughs> That's you know awesome, I mean? man. At, at our age, right? Like we're you know I'm nearly forty. You know, Brad's collecting social security. <laughs> um, you know, at this point, like yeah. I'm like we made our decisions. You know what I mean? Like none of us are getting gold watches. None of us are company men. None of us are career activists. So I try to think of myself in this as like one of those like string players who, who goes down with the Titanic, you know, it's like, it's like, this is what we do. And we're just going to play it out until the end, because this, this is what I am, you know? Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to the Bronx records right now to, to help them get through it. You know, Uh, I mean, that's that's always a cool thing. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it, it has been such a rad reminder that way too, of just like, you know, like in speaking of value, it's like it, it has, I mean, you know, you have those moments where it's like definitely like the, you know, you know, like, you know, 
like, what's my purpose? What does it really matter in a world that's, you know, going to hell? But at the same time, like, it's been so cool to see, you know, fans of, of not only the Bronx and El Bronx, but just in general, you know, supporting artists and, and, and you know, kind of, you know, really going the extra mile to, 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 to be there, you know, whether it's, you know, stupid shit like buying a shirt or just overall just like, you know, like being able to be in contact with your fans over social media, um, yeah. you know, during, during times like these. Is, is super cool, you know, because it's a good way to just kind of reach out and, and, and just be in touch with each other. And it's rad because, I mean, I, dude, I, I tell you, it's like, you know, uh, I was I did my taxes like, <laughs> I don't know, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever. I was just super late on them. And I was going through all my bank statements and I was like seeing like all this random shit, you know, it's like Taco Bell in Minneapolis or whatever, you know. And I, just, right. I was getting all, I was getting all bummed out, and I was like, "Fuck, man! I miss traveling so much. I miss like playing shows. I was going through all my all my statements and seeing all this stupid shit I was buying on tour, you know. <laughs> right. And uh, I was like, God, you know, I miss that stuff so much, you know. And it's like, yes. man, it's so fortunate to to just be able to have that, to have that right. community, have a community of people who you know you can you know engage with, and, and just you know." who supports you, whether it's, you know, digitally or on the road or whatever, you know, and it's like, it's so cool to, to, to have that, you know, and it's yeah. like, I, I, honestly, it's like, it's the best thing ever, man. It's like, and, and I can't, you know, I, I can't wait to get back to it, obviously. And I know at some point there's going to be some version of a, of a future, you know, it's yeah. like, whether it's completely, you know, completely different and it's never the same, is you know if that's the way it shakes out, and that's the way it shakes out, and we'll adjust and we'll go forward. But uh, you know, I'm just—it's uh, another thing that you realize in these types of situations is how much you have to be grateful for, you yeah. know. And it's just like I, I I rely on that so much because it's like you know there's there's the band has meant like so much to me, you know. It's like and it not just it's not being in the band; it's everything that being in the band brings to your life you know it just yeah. brings for me so much validation you know just who i am as a human being with you know the the guys that i create with you know and the, the it's like the, the experiences of, of traveling the world and meeting people in different countries and uh you know late night conversations about music and art and you know being able to just have this amazing life full of memories uh, you know, that would have never happened if I had not picked up a microphone, you know? So I'm so thankful for all that. So it's like, you know, as you can tell from just the first 30 minutes of this conversation, it's like, there's, it's, there's so much on like the emotional spectrum yeah, that, you can, sure, that you can go, that you can go through on like a fucking daily basis, you know, when all, when you're just sitting here thinking, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, I know, right? It's it's great, man. It's it's uh it's it's super super crazy times right now and it's like there's so much to just to to think on, to reflect on, to act yeah. on. Uh yeah. you, you know, so you know, you just got to I think you just got to try your best to be present, you know. Makes sense, man. Who would have known that you jumping out into the crowd all those times is would have turned into a public health crisis, you know? That's I know. You, you I feel somewhat responsible. You couldn't have known. <laughs> so Matt, we have a fun segment on this show. It'd be a good time to turn the corner anyway. Called Mystery Friends. Mystery Friends. 
Okay. I speak to an old friend of yours, get a great story. You have to tell me a little bit about this story and then guess which friend told me. Speaking of road memories, I had uh, employed Pete Steinkoff of the Bouncing Souls to give me a great story. I figured you guys have spent quite a few nights together. And uh, Pete texted me this morning saying he's got nothing. Oh, He's got nothing. So I told him on this podcast, I'm going to start his smear campaign and (laughs) and besmirch his good name throughout the going off track community. Well, no, that's, 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 that's good on Pete because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's keeping, uh, he's keeping quiet, isn't it? I uh, figured it might have something to do with that with Pete. I figured Pete might be up to some like consigliere stuff. Yeah, where he's, he's keeping quiet for a reason. I had a feeling Pete could have been it. Yeah. But, so I did dig up another one, which is something I want to talk about anyway, okay? So I was told, you know, I live in Jersey City, New Jersey. And I don't know if you ever remember being in this place. But apparently yeah. one time you slept at an apartment in Jersey City. People were chilling and drinking and eventually went to bed. And you were still enjoying the evening. Uh, eventually mm-hmm. got bored and left. And the next morning, the person you were staying with was walking their dogs and found you sleeping next to a trash can on the street. <laughs> yeah. um, can, can you give me a little insight into that story and maybe uh, and then and then harbor a guess as to who told me such story? Well, uh, OK, so it was at it was at Carl Ferret's house. Is right. that, that's that's where it was. And, you know, it's like in the early Bronx days, every time, you know, we ended up in, in, in Jersey, we would be at, at, uh, at Carl's place. Um, and that because it was at. Uh, fuck, where, and, and so we were at his spot and. Yeah, it was uh, Dixon Mills, right? It was an old converted, uh, it's the converted Dixon Ticonderoga pencil factory that's been turned into like warehouse studio apartments. Very yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and he was like kind of running ferret like out of there pretty mm-hmm. much, you know? So uh, it was super cool. We'd go over there, we'd party and we'd hang out, you know? And yeah, that, that night I was hammered drunk. <laughs> and uh, we were hanging, and I just didn't want to stop, you know. So it was like I, I just, I just headed out the door, and I was just gonna go look for some drinks and some food. And it was like, uh, it was kind of like you know the end of The Shining when like he's like he's like he's, he's looking for Danny or whatever. He's got the axe, and he's just he's just in the maze, you know. And he's just like. Arr! Uh, that, that was pretty much me on the streets you know I was like I was just looking for action assuming that it was just going to be you know it was going to be easy to find yeah and, uh, you know next thing you know it was freezing cold and I had no idea where I was okay. uh, so I just uh, I just kind of did what any good punk would do and just huddled up next to a trash can and just you know, fell asleep. Just had, had to sit down and, and yeah. faded through the night, huh? Yeah, and then well, then you know, and then the, the second half of that was when I did wake up and got back to Carl's place. Everyone was—I mean, it was obviously you know, it's always those situations. You end—you you wake up super early, you know, because you're just like, yeah. So yeah, so I got back, and his two dogs—they were like greyhounds, and of yeah. course he, he had a small spot, and so the band was—you know—any good real estate was taken you know what i mean and hard floors and stuff like that sure. so 
uh, I got in the dog bed and I slept in the dog bed and the amount, the amount of hair that was in the dog bed was just like, it was unfathomable. It was insane. It was like two, it was like out of the two dogs hair, it was like a third dog, you know? So I, I slept in that thing and I was like picking dog hair off me for a week after that. <laughs> So you had a night. You had a night. I should yeah. mention too that in those days, you know, this is probably close to you know what twelve, is, thirteen, almost fifteen years ago, maybe. Like who knows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for and, sure. Like two thousand three or four, something like that. Probably four. Yeah, sounds right. And and you know that was kind of like the beginning of the the real like Jersey City gentrification. You know, like uh, Dixon Mills was one of the few spots that was built up like there was a high potential for you to get into some kind of next level low down new jersey stuff like that's what i was was told and uh and yeah (laughs) there was an angel watching out for me that night i've had a couple of those those angels looking out for me but but yeah those are always good times man How, how close was uh was is hobo close to jersey city yeah yeah like right across Basically, there's Jersey City. You cross the Holland Tunnel, then there's Hoboken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember because I was kind of I kind of associate that that time with like playing. We used to play Maxwell's all the time. Yeah, and, and the, that, those shows were so much fun. It Definitely so, saw you guys at one of those for sure. Yeah, so, so awesome, man! I love. So I think Jersey. you uh, you called your mystery friend early on. It, it was it was Carl Severson, Carl from yeah, Fair yeah, Records. Yeah. I wrote a text to both him and Portland. You know who also worked in Ferret at the time. And, Portland, you know, do you ever hear those Pete Rose stories? Portland, the Pete Rose. Yeah, he, I, no, he's he, got a Pete Rose story. No, he he. Well, he used to do this thing. We'd call it. He used to do this thing. He's like Pete Rosing because he used to slide. He used to be able to like slide across like cars, <laughs> like windshields, and like he would do, he would get so drunk that dude yes. that dude. With like he was yeah. like the party, he was like, yeah. yeah, like the guy at the office who got too drunk, you know, shirt off, like he yes. like yeah, like you know, like a very very chill place, and he would be very unchill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been through that situation a number of times. Literally, I was like, I was like twenty two years old. and I would get asked to go tour with Nora just because I was friends with him, you know. And yeah. somehow, like, the 22-year-old in the group, you know, Carl and Portland are getting into their mid to late 20s already. But literally, my job on those tours was, like, to watch those two. Yeah, to, like, yeah, make yeah. sure that it just didn't fly, like, too far off the handle. And I failed, like, a couple of times because I have some of my crazier moments and stories in life happened with those two out on the road <laughs> because you know there's also the thing that was like the height of when carl was doing pretty well you know so yeah. so like it was kind of gangster for me like i'd go on a nora tour and they'd be like yeah we're getting a room i'm like a room <laughs> hotel room i'm like the ferry credit card you sure you know and and it was it was pretty luxury for me oh uh, yeah. yeah those early days were so out of control and I was so I mean I was I was out of control but I was also so like just green dude like I was just you know I was just like I was just I mean I was uh, yeah I was out of my element all the way and just didn't really know how to like 
you know, you know, in, the, in those situations when you're, when you're, you know, younger and you're just kind of like trying to like, it's like, a, you know, that's why I would just like, I would, I was just drink out of control and just party out of control. Cause I just, it was the only way to kind of like, like I just, you know, kind of feel a little comfortable, you know, cause it was like, it was so, it was so crazy. I mean, it was like going from, you know, like, oh, you know, the, the, everything happened with the Bronx so quick, you know, it was like, and then, you know, doing like all the, all the like kind of East coast, like hardcore stuff. It was just like, it was just, it, it was just super like weird scene, you know, like yeah, to like yeah. to, just, uh, just to, to, to be dropped into, you know what I mean? It was just like, and it was super rad. Uh, but it was just kind of like, it was, it was just crazy. So I, I just, I, mean, I was just raging nonstop. Yeah. I, I mean, speaking of that beginning, like, you know, you guys had just that really unique, unique start. Um, could, could you speak on that a little, like, like what actually happened within the first, you know, six months of you being a band and the first couple shows and, and now yeah. like, and now in like hindsight, do you think that was like, positive or negative like in the long run for for your career and stuff like that like can you talk uh, about it, was, yeah, it was it was is 100 positive man it's like yeah. i think you know early on i mean you just gotta the the approach was just throw them in the deep end you know right. and, and and you know sink or swim and it was that type of that type of thing and it's like that's kind of you know the way it had to be it's like you know when we when we first started the band uh, we had uh, two managers who were just buddies that were like helping us out, looking out for us. It's Jonathan Daniel and Pablo Matheson. And uh, Jonathan, um, you know, he built Crush Music. It's his his right. empire, and, and so he 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 is. Uh, you know, both guys are, are are great dudes. Jonathan is 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 an absolute genius, and it's like you know their kind of whole thing was, you know, just don't you know don't give them anything you know it's like music you know the music industry is so used to people bending over backwards for them mm. doing whatever they want you know it's like when we're gonna generate this like buzz about you guys and when people ask for it we're gonna tell them to fuck off you know and so and, and like, how did those how did those guys find you you know before you were you so know, you hadn't what, played that many shows yet so, like, check, so check this out so the way the way the bronx kind of like the way it it, it broke down this like member to member was like so you know Joby uh Joby started the band. Joby right. at, at the time was was playing in a band called Let Down and I knew uh, we had uh, you know he was playing with uh, friends David and Vincent who I grew up with um uh who you know we still play music with to this day but they were kind of guys that I grew up with that Joby had and he was playing with so Joby and I uh like met that way. We also, my brother was friends with Joby. So there was just a bunch of mutual shit okay. that brought Joby and I together. Yeah, yeah. I was like the kind of weird, like uh, unpolished, like weird guy out in left field. Okay. Joby, <laughs> Joby was like, you know, Joby had the, he had the job at Vagrant Records and, uh, you know, he was doing graphic design, playing guitar. And okay. then, so, so Jorma, uh, our original drummer. Yeah. He was in a band called Death on Wednesday, and okay. they they had like a good amount. They had like professional buzz, you know. They okay, had like okay. been on like a tour with Social Distortion. They were kind of like professional, like you know. They were like the guys that 
you know, there's like, you know, it's like, there's like, even on the smallest scales, right? There's levels, yeah. right? There's they like, had those okay, times, yeah. You had they were like, doing the thing. They were doing like, the or, thing. Like you had a high school band or, or it's like, okay, or that you actually could get club shows. Right, right, or, right. You, know, you were getting, like, you could get like signed to like Fearless Records or something like that, you know what I mean? So it was just like, <laughs> okay. So, but they were like kind of on that next level, you know? They had like the, they had their shit together, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and so... You know, and and so Jorma was the guy who kind of brought that in. Okay. To, so so basically, Joby started the Bronx. He asked uh, Jorma and James, who was uh, working with Joby at Vagrant, uh, mm-hmm. to play bass. And then, so Joby knew me, and he was like, "Okay, I got this kind of wild card guy <laughs> <laughs> that." that you know, that I want to introduce you guys to. I think you should sing in the band because we, at that, at this point, uh, Joe and I were playing in a band called The Drips with Dave and Vince. Right. And uh, we were just kind of doing, we were making a bunch of music, you know, we were yeah, just having sure. fun. So uh, Joby wanted to go, you know, he wanted to, to get serious about it. So, you know, he brought me in uh, on that. I was like, hey, do you want to sing on this stuff? And I was like, yeah, man, of course, you know, let's, let's, let's do it. So we ended up, you know, getting together and playing in uh, downtown rehearsal at our spot, and it just kind of clicked that way. And it was just like, even even you know, me with no experience and not really you know knowing anything, I I felt it. You know, I felt like okay, like you hear, you know, you know, you know enough about music and bands yeah. to know that it's all about chemistry and it's all about sure. the right people. You know, so it's like this felt like it felt special. It felt really good. Nice. Um, you know, so, and it was like, but it was, we got three songs together, and it was Jorma who gave them to uh, his buddy Pablo, and it was Pablo who gave it to Jonathan. Do you remember so, what those first three were? Uh, yeah, I think it was Strobe Life, uh, False Alarm, and White Tar. I think that's oh, what. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I awesome. think so. Um, and then, uh, and then, so those guys hear the songs and of course they're like, fuck, this is, you know, this, <laughs> your shit is that good, right. you know? Uh, but, uh, but so it was super cool, you know, cause they were interested right away. Like, Hey, we want to help you guys out. So it was like, cool. yeah. Uh, so then they just kind of built from there and it was like, literally, I mean, it was so cool to like be on like the bubble of like the whole kind of old school like music industry because right. it was like right it was right at the tail end before it kind of all went to shit as far as like record deals and all that stuff like i remember there there was this band fuck it was like there was do you remember that band vendetta red i do yeah they got like a like a zillion dollar record yes. deal i yes. remember that and i was just like holy shit you know what i mean like these bands just like fucking so it was it was that time you know it was kind of right. like the end it was like the end of that yeah, kind of yeah. weird ad driving wave where, you know, everyone was just kind of, labels were just signing bands, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it ended and, up being like probably what, like the last run of it, too. Yeah, straight yeah. up. It was, yeah. dude. It yeah. was. And so, you know, we got, we ended up getting, you know, we, I mean, man, some of the early shows, like, you know, I was, I, I, you know, I, you look back on them and you remember them with such like, you know, you, there's such fondness and it's so great. And then you like, I think there's like, we have like a VHS of our first show, like one of our early shows, the Troubadour, man, it's, nice. it's not, it's not good. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I'm looking at it from, you know, whatever, critical, but yeah, of course. You know, 
so that, you know, that kind of just built from there. And then we kind of, you know, we started sending out, uh, we started getting label interest and then we started sending back like, you know, just stupid shit to fuck with them. And then of course that just built from there. And Jonathan and Pablo were able to kind of build this like old school, like bidding war over a band that had been together for maybe six months and had three songs. What kind of you know, what kind of dumb shit were you sending back to people? Like people you weren't interested in? You were just you were giving them yeah 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 like uh you know, yeah like like this the, the one guy like I think one guy the one label asked us you know for to send to send him the rock and so we literally sent him like a box of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good. Anyone uh, who says I, that, oh, yeah, I, I think Joby responded to an email in like some sort of Morse code or something like yeah, that. It was yeah. just like it was, you know, it was just whatever. We were just fucking with people, and yeah, it was like yeah. it was super cool. And then, uh, and then, you know, so yeah, and, and you know, Jonathan, uh, you know, lined us up with Gilby Clark to kind of right. finish the record, and that was that was a big thing. You know, it was it was it was insane. So then at that point, you know, we got. We got, you know, oh, dude, so we went, dude, we went to this one record label meeting, and I for, I wish I could remember who it was, but this guy, like, took our song and, like, pitch shifted it down. Oh, like, no. He's like, how about that? That feels good, right? No. We're, just, we're, just like, we're like, whoa, this is so retarded. Like, we're out of here. <laughs> you know? Uh, That's but, so uh, bad. Yeah, and, yeah. You had, and you had a little bit of a uh, reputation too, from what I heard, for really like sucking the meat out of these these meetings too. I heard like you really, you really, I mean, I was, I was really trying to drain the cards, right? Yeah, I was trying, man. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like I was doing the best I could to get, you know. I mean, I was living <laughs> off of nothing, you know. Right, it's like Joby, sure. Joby kept me alive for a solid year. I would just, he would literally, I would go into Vagrant. And now mm-hmm. he would just give me boxes of vagrant CDs, and I would go to Amoeba and just sell them. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was it was amazing, you know. It was just funny. like it's because like, at that time that was good money. Sure. I mean, you got you had like you know you had like you were getting I was getting like you know four or five bucks a CD, man. Yeah, was, baby, like, those are hot titles. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Was, and, and man, you, if that, you know if there was like a, a box set or anything like that, yeah. there, woo. You know, yeah, you were going to Sizzler that yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. yeah. So yeah, we do these meetings, you know, and I'd, I'd ask people for cash, you know, I'd I'd I'd, I'd do all that shit. But good, it, good. It, it was yeah, it was a good time, man. We did like you know, Island took us out to New York. We did like the whole like just completely just scripted like take the rock band to a strip club, you know, <laughs> thing. And it, dude, and it was it was. Just like you would always think it was, it was just fucking. It was perfect. It was magical. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was totally dumb. Um, but uh, but we did. We got to do all that and experience all that and kind of the last wave of that. And and I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's come back around nowadays, but I don't think it has. You know, no, it's just like it's just so. kind of a, not like that. Yeah, it was super cool to to kind of get in at the end of that rainbow. You know, so we ended up signing a. a, a, a a deal with Island that was super cool. Not not like a million dollar deal by any means, but we right. got we but we got what we wanted. We got a little bit of cash to pay off some bills, buy a van, go on tour. You know, we got the first record to be able to come out through Parrot. We got a ferret. We got to build our own label, White Drugs. We got to right. do. We basically got to be able to have control of everything we wanted to do and, and build it out from there. And it was all because 
uh, because of Jonathan and Pablo. I mean, we had an idea of what we wanted, but, you know, if we didn't have those guys, I mean, we would have been raked over the coals. Yeah, sure. You guys managed to have leverage right right from the get. We had we had guys that were really looking out for us, you know, so it was it was we were super fortunate um, in that in that respect. You know, it was kind of a, a really good thing that lined up for us. So, you know, and, and from there, I mean, you know, it's just all gas, no brakes. Right. It's like sure, you get the yeah. deal, you get yeah. the deal next you're out of the road, you're making records and you're and you're just going. So, I mean, for us, it was really a kind of it's the only way I could I could I could ever see it happening, honestly. You know, it was kind of like, I mean, because we had, we had the connection between the four of us, like instantly, you know, like we were all like, we were, we were different, you know, like we were different, like, like Jordan and I, James and I, and, and, and like everyone had like their own personalities, and, sure. but we were all, we also had, you know, we, we bonded right away, you know, and it's like, and it, it was, uh, you know, a, a super beautiful thing, you know, and, and to be able to experience all that. You know, I mean, you're traveling, you're making music, you're, you know, you're, you're partying your face off, you're doing all these things and it's happening so fast. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was incredible, man, you know, and it's like, and, and honestly, it's, it still is, you know, it's still, it's, uh, it's still get the exact same, you know, uh, like cool from it as it did back then. It's just, it's just, it, back then it was just all a blur, you yeah, know, right, now, right. It's, now it's like, you know, it's like, and it's, you know, I mean, I'm still, you know, I still drink and I still do all that shit, you know, but it's like, it was just, it was just the pace, you know, right. when everything first started, it was just like insane. I mean, it was just yeah. like, go, go, go. And everything was just out of control. But yeah, man, I mean, I think that's the only way it could have gone down. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, for us to try to be more methodical about what we were doing or anything like that, or to take too much time to try to, you know, formulate any sort of like, uh, critical strategy would have been a, a, a big mistake. <laughs> yeah. And you certainly didn't need it. I mean, that first record came out and for anyone who hadn't heard you first, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, this is just their first record. It's like, Holy shit. What is this? This is fucking, you know? Um, and I, I remember too, like having a little bit of a break, you know, I saw you guys, you know, really early a bunch with the ferret guys. And then, you know, I hadn't seen you in a couple of years and ran into you at a festival. And yeah. I was like, ah, oh, I wonder what these guys are like. Like if they're still still rocking it hard or if they're like just totally pro like festival band now. And I remember you had an early set. It was like a one o'clock or something. And I see you guys popping out from the backstage. You know, we kind of see each other. We're like, oh, what's up, man? I sort of remember you from like New Brunswick, you know, and and I see Jorma looking a little pale and he walks on stage and just like puts a finger in his mouth, does like a really, really perfect, clean puke yeah, off the back of the stage and then just like runs right up and starts, you know, playing like he does, which was, you know, phenomenal yeah. at the time. And I'm just like, oh, OK, they're still doing it. And, and he oh, yeah. even took a reprieve, I think, like after like the third song, went back and did like another one in about 10 seconds and was, was back just ripping it. And I'm like, Oh man, the Bronx are still the Bronx. I love this. <laughs> oh yeah. It was, uh, yeah. And it, it's, uh, yeah, those, I mean, that's like, I mean, those are like the most, I mean, dude, it's like that, those are the most like, you know, it's like, it's, it's that, that shit is so awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like the, the fact that, I mean, and you're not, you know, you might not, even, you might not, the reality of the situation is, is you might not be playing your best show, you know, but it's yeah. like that feeling of like, you know, rolling out of a sprinter van in like the fucking middle of nowhere or like, you know, and just like getting on stage and, you know, in some festival and, you know, just plugging in and playing is like, Dude, it's the fucking best. I mean, it's like, yeah, it is. It's it's so rad, you know. And it's like, uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's so cool to be able to do that with your friends, you know, and just yeah. and to be able to make it last, you know. So, but yeah, dude. I mean, those. I mean, we did. I mean, we did the whole thing, you know. So, like after the first record, the second record was like the major label one we did with right. Ryan Horn, and that was like a full on, you know. Uh, just massive undertaking, but yeah, just an like awesome, media blitz kind of stuff. Yeah, it was just an awesome experience, but it was like full on, you know, like military, you know, break <laughs> down, build you back up thing. Right, but it was, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it was a, you know, a super rad experience. But that was like it was, it was a long time between our first and and second record. You know, it was mm. like I remember it feeling like a really long time, and it, it was. I think it was like uh, almost like three years or something like oh, that. Wow. But, but. uh but yeah, man, it just kept going, you know, and it's yeah. like that, that was like the thing um, that that I, I I've always loved and I, I, I still love about about the band. It's just like, you know, we're just we're, we're tight. You know, it's like we just we have uh, there's a friendship between uh, between everybody, you know, and it's like with the new guys with I mean, I can't even call them the new guys. I mean, Brad and yeah. Ken have been in the band for, you know, well over a decade now. It's like, sure. But it's like, like we're 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 brothers, you know. So it's like, it, you know, it, it's so it, it's so much fun to be able to play music together. And it's like, it's just it, it's uh, I, I don't know, man. I, it's yeah. just it's it's hard to even to to put it into words how sure. appreciative I am of it because I love it so much. I can hear it in your voice, man. It's always. And Matt, um, where did the mariachi thing come from? Uh, Los Angeles, man. I mean, it, uh, it came out. So we had, you know, like I was saying, we had that downtown rehearsal spot, uh, which is now like a Soho. I don't know what it is. It, it, dude, it was a legendary rehearsal spot. It was so rad. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was, then, uh, uh, where, where was that studio? Is it in downtown LA? Or? Yeah. Santa Fe and, uh, seventh street. I think it's like, uh, yeah. Um, you know, now there's, it's by the, there's a play, there's a strip club there called the Playpen. <laughs> but, uh, but then it was, yeah, it was sketchy as hell. Uh, but yeah, now it's like, now there's like the, it's like the Stumptown. Okay. And, uh, there's Urban like an outfitters or something. Oh, no, I mean, it's not, it's not like fully bad, but it's like, it's definitely not the way it was, you know, but it's all good. Things change, whatever. The, stu- you know, the so. stump town, dude, the coffee place is always the first domino in gentrification. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, 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 you know, so, uh, you know, so the, you know, and, and we had like, you know, I mean, obviously in LA, Hispanic culture is everywhere. You know what I mean? As I grew up surrounded by it. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our rehearsal spot, there was a Mexican car wash, you know, right across the street and we would be playing. And every time we stopped playing, you know, it would just be mariachi music or, you know, banda music, just like, just bad ass, just bumping, you know what I mean? Just uh-huh. beautiful tunes, just cruising out, you know, speakers and just everyone partying, having a good time, just working, you know, it was just like, you know, kind of classic culture you know so 
um, is just something that kind of like subliminally like kind of like snuck into our our studio in Mm. in our ears in in that way and it's like you know when when we were kind of having a little bit of a like a we hit you know I feel like every punk band hits a wall at some point if you want to like try to like break out of it you know what I mean or like do something a little different so around our third record that's where we were kind of sitting we were like ah you know it's like, like what next yeah, like what next? You know, like what? What, what are we gonna do here? We yeah, gotta be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a big like, next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, we feel like we just need to do like something. You know, like what? What do we want to do? And and we had kind of started getting like, you know, like we had like an offer from. There used to be this thing that I remember. You guys remember Fuel TV? But Fuel TV was yeah, like they had yeah. this, they had like a Daily Habit show or something like that. And sure, they wanted yeah, us I remember to that. Do, yeah, they wanted us to do an acoustic uh, Bronx song. And that was kind of at the time, you know, that was like, you know, that was like an insult, you know. Yeah, it's like, right, right. We don't do acoustic. Yeah, the Bronx does not do acoustic, bro. You know. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, but we wanted to do the show, you know. So we were like, okay, let's let's try and figure out a, a creative solution to it. And you know, lo and behold, music coming in. You know, through through the windows, you know, and Joby's like, hey, you know, let's let, let's try to do something mariachi style. You know, let's let's try to take uh, "Dirty Leaves," which is a song off our second record, kind of like our first, kind of like slower song, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 put some you know some different instrumentation to it, and and you know, see what happens. You know, right. so so that was that was the birth of it. You know, so we we put that together, and uh, and it just fell amazing i mean it Mm. just felt it felt nerve-wracking it felt like super inspiring really creative and uh and challenging you know and just like unknown you know it was just like it just took us completely 100 percent out of our safe space yeah i mean (laughs) at at this point like like did you have any mariachi groups or or music that was like already part of your 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 listening uh you know your listening rolodex or or i mean did for, it kind for, of trickle down after well so i mean we had a little bit so it's like so uh so going back to the kind of musical family that that we got going here you know so so i met uh david and vince uh, hidalgo in uh i want to say I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. okay. My first girlfriend uh, was their cousin. Okay? Oh, okay. So I didn't, I didn't know anything about them at all. I didn't know, you know, so she, and she kind of like didn't bring me over there until like, I, I like, she knew I was like a, you know, I was like a, a, <laughs> a legit you know, prospect. <laughs> yeah. Legit prospect. Exactly. Double you know? A. You had to crack double A. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So like, <laughs> and, and, so she, and she's like, okay, I'm going to bring you out. And so I'm, like, I'm in my head. I'm just like, what, like, what is the big deal? You know what I mean? Like what's going on? So, and, and it was never anything like that. So, but, uh, so I go over there and, you know, I meet, uh, David, David, you know David, who's uh, a year older than me, but we were basically, you know, same age, and yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we meet, and I meet Vincent, who at that time was so young, it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but so, and, and we hit it off right away, and then it's like I don't really realize anything until the first. But 
you know, eventually it comes out that, you know, their dad is the singer in Los Lobos. And right. I mean, this is, this is kind of like, uh, you know, after like, not, you know, not too far after the Bamba and, sure. uh, you know, colors and all that. I mean, they were, they were cranking out tunes. I mean, they yeah. were, they were a big deal. Pretty you know much I mean? the, the face yeah. of that music to like any yeah. American was right. them. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm hanging out in in, in the living room, and you know, I'm just like, so you know, cool. and, yeah. and they they've taken me in, and they're super cool, and you know, so it's like, and so you know, I'm over there all the time, you know, hanging out with them and her, and and it just became this thing where you know, eventually, you know, we started playing music together, and you know, in their oh, okay. basement playing cover songs and just doing stuff like that, and cool. and so we just became friends and and tight, and just obviously, you know, so. It just built from there, but from that's kind of when, you know, I I started to really get into Los Lobos, you know, like outside right. outside of like what I'd heard or seen, you know, from movies or soundtracks, uh, and I really started to discover, um, you, you know, the that side of, of music, you know, and it's like, but it, then now it was like, I mean, and they're you know obviously, you know, monsters of the genre, you know, course, so it's yeah. like. You know, that's kind of where uh, musically, you know, where where any sort of real kind of understanding or appreciation started for me, um, you know. And then obviously, you know, as, as you know, our kind of musical uh, circle kind of grew outwards and Jovi meets those guys and then everyone kind of, you know, we all kind of, it kind of grew outward from there. So Lobos was definitely kind of the main, uh, you know, uh, like, what we wanted to like it was the only thing we knew to kind of like a b against you know right. what i mean like we were kind of that's using a that big, that's a yeah big yeah standard, I mean, i mean and honestly dude i mean and it's like if 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 you know that and you listen to el bronx you can hear it you know and it's like right, right. and it's like if 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 I, I mean it's nowhere near <laughs> you know right. i'm not saying it's anywhere near what they're doing i'm just saying that's what we were like you know at least for me but like specifically vocally like yeah. that's what that's what i was trying to be you okay. know what i mean like i was like i'm gonna i like i want to sound like he's got the greatest voice like one of the greatest voices of all time oh, to yeah. me okay. yeah like his voice his voice is just insane it's just so it's it's just beautiful man it's just beautiful and it's like uh, you know, that was kind of like what I want, you know, like what I wanted to like, where I wanted to end up. Like if I can kind of go somewhere in this direction, you know, hopefully it, it, it'll be all right. You know what I mean? So, you know, the, going off of that and then plus, you know, we have, you know, with, with Vincent, Vincent was such a big part of, of El Bronx because, you know, with, with everyone kind of feeling their way around, uh, you know, the, the genre and the instrumentation and the rhythms, Vince was the authenticator. You know, right. Vincent, Vincent was the one who was like, okay, not like that, like this, mm-hmm. you know, this is, that, let's do it this way. It's got to be done. Like, so he was kind of like, you He's know, like the, the conductor almost. In a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of helped us. He helped to, he helped the tree grow straight. You know what I mean? Right. It's so like, it's like when like, there's like a cop movie and they have to make sure there's like, a cop on set, you know, to make sure like all the cops it, are acting it, like real cops it, or something. Exactly. You know, exactly. Cause we, I mean, we were coming from obviously, uh, you know, a, a place of, of, you know, ultimate respect and appreciation and, and, you know, just wanting to do this out of pure creativity and inspiration and, and love of music. 
you know, but we were also super aware that people might think we were taking a piss out of the culture, out of the right. music, or sure. that just going to be like, you know, these fucking white dudes are disrespecting fucking, you know, Mexican music, all this shit, you know? So, you know, and it was like, it, that's the one thing that we just, you know, you never, I mean, it, it coming up it, as, it, you know, anybody who values, you know, any sort of moral compass, whether it's, you know, personally, creatively, uh, you know, you never want to be seen as fake, you know, course, you, ne- yeah. you never want to be seen as fake, you know? So that was the number one thing, you know? And so it was like, we got to do this right, you know? And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that we worked our asses off to, to do it right, to make it our own. And, you know, we, we leaned on Vincent a lot in, in the early days to kind of make sure that we were doing things the right way, you know? Right. You guys are bold, man. I mean, between being from Los Angeles and calling your band the Bronx, and then, <laughs> and then you know, being white guys who decide to take on Marriott, I mean, you're fucking bold. You know, if there's anything you say about the Bronx, you boys are bold, you yeah. know? You know? Um, that's awesome, man. Now, like, like lyrically, uh, you know, is there... Is there like a way to to convey mariachi music that's that's antithetical to the way you would convey like a punk song? You know, I know you're not always talking about like hey, you know fucking punk rock. Like you know, you you write kind of love songs anyway a lot of the time. But is there a different way to to convey them in a mariachi setting than in a punk setting? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, for me originally. And, and still, for the most part, it's like, you know, and, and this was the thing that I didn't even, that was like the most insanely freeing thing to me. Because um, like, you know, it, there is, you know, there is, you know, in, in, in punk music and in, in aggressive music, there is kind of a rallying cry to, to, to sing, you know, to be against, you know, to, to, right. to be screaming screaming about what's wrong and not about what's right mm-hmm. you know and and that's kind of the school that i grew up in you know yeah. it's like it was like it was all about fuck you you know i mean that yeah. was that was it you know yeah, and it was yeah. it was like fuck you fuck this you know burn it down question you know? everything so, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so you know and what you don't realize is how what i didn't realize is how kind of one-sided that can make you as a human mm. being Sure. You know, and so I had all these great things that I experienced in my life. You know, I've I, I, I've got you know a, a great family. I've got you know I, I grew up in this awesome neighborhood, and I've, I've lived this you know life that isn't anything like crazy. But you know, it's like it's 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 been. I have a lot to be thankful for. Sure, and I I it was all it had all just kind of been over my head until El Bronx came along. And it was like, it was kind of like the first time that I felt okay about singing about, you know, like, like, you know, like positive things or like, wow. you know, things, things that have gone right in my life or things that I appreciate or, 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 or singing like honestly, confidently about love. You wow. know, cause usually hmm. in, in Bronx, I would, it would just be like, if I was singing about love, you know, I would make it like tortured, you know, it would be like a right. dirty, right. be a dirty, fucking strung out, you know, you know, nasty punk rock gutter love. Like you know? a Sid and Nancy love. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, it was like it, it just El Bronx became this. It was just this thing, and it, it brought so much like like being able to like to have an outlet for kind of like the other all the other emotions in life. Yeah. Like it balanced out my whole existence, dude. Wow. Like it, it was like crazy. That sounds like, really so, freeing. Yeah, it was, and honestly, that's why it was like it was it was so. It was so crazy when it all happened and we were writing, dude. It was like, dude, it was just like, it was flowing out of all of us, you know? It was like, huh. like for me, lyrics and melody and all that stuff was just like, it was just coming. So it was just like, it was super inspiring and just super, just, you know, beautiful to kind of experience it. And Very cool. You know, yeah, so for me, there, there there is a difference. And it's like, it's, it starts with that. It's basically, you know, uh, you know, Bronx is, is is basically, you know, pissed off, and 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 El Bronx is 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 way more celebratory and way more appreciative and, and happy. But at the same time, um, you know, it's it's a very beautiful music, but it's it's very it can be very sad, and you know, it, it can right. be very, um, you know, just uh, just intense, you know. So um, the more we got into the band, you know, like the second record, third record, the kind of more I started really kind of, you know, experiencing the kind of full spectrum of, of, of lyrics and stuff like that. But when we first started, you know, it was just about, it honestly, it was just trying to, like, celebrate instead of just, like, you know, being pissed off all the time. Yeah. You know? H- has it made you a more well-rounded lover? <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 of course, you know, because it's like I feel like you know, it's like it's like punks. Like I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> no, 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 Matt, don't stop talking. There's got to uh, be a difference because there's got to be a difference between uh, drunk, it, angry punk rock sex and beautiful, it's, loving mariachi it's, sex. Like it's fucking and making love. You know, it's like those. <laughs> those, those the two. Those the two things. You know, it's like it's, it's, it's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I love it. So, so the Bronx, the Bronx live show is always an experience, and I know you guys pride yourself in that. And you know, more often than not, you know, uh, I'll turn my head and be back and be like, "Oh, where's Matt?" And you'll be, you know, down in in the crowd, getting dirty, mixing it up with everyone. Um, how do you how do you prepare for a show like that? And like, do, do you have any? rituals that like you have to do to get on stage uh not really i mean i do like i i you know i i do depending on where i'm where i'm at vocally on tour i i may warm up here and there but it's like as far as like getting ready to like play a show you know it's like i i I used to drink i used to drink beers and just hang out but now it's like i don't i don't drink before we play anymore okay uh because I just realized I just sing way better, you know, and right, it's like right. it's, it's not, I'll just have some beers after the show, you know. So it's like it's it's a lot that that kind of small like kind of like change in the routine was a, a big one for me because it just I, I just felt so much better about how like how I was singing and, and the show overall, you know. Right. But it's like uh, as far as like getting hyped to like go play, get in the crowd or whatever, it's like. I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. It's you like, just I, come like, hyped. Pre-hyped. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped on, I'm ready to go. You know, it's like, I, I love, I love it, man. I that's love, nice I to love. hear. 
See, and that's that California thing we go back to again. It's just, it's pure positivity. You know what I mean? You people yeah. just come a different way. A guy oh, from New well, York, a guy from New York is going to go play a Bronx show. He's going to have to go through an hour of deep reflection, maybe some cocaine, have a conversation <laughs> with like his aunt. Like, like it's got it's gonna be a whole fucking thing. You're just yeah. a valley. You're like, you know what? Just get out there and fucking rip it because life is good. Yeah, I, I got to move good. out there, man. I, yeah. Jesus Christ. What are we doing, Brad? You know, why are we torturing ourselves? Hey, um, man. <laughs> sooner, sooner or later, the East Coast is going to be a, it's gonna be a ghost town. Yeah, underwater. I want, you know what? I want everybody's to out here anyways, man. All you motherfuckers are moving out here. So, know. you know, it's, you know it's what, man? I want an orange tree and a good night's sleep, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, yeah. com- I'm coming for you, Matt. Um, yeah, yeah. So you got to tell me a story because it's one of the strangest things I saw on tour ever in all my years of touring, and I need some clarification on your end as to what the hell was going on. So we were on the Soundwave tour together in Australia, and you know, I, I, we were at different parts of the festival. I didn't get to see you very often because of the way we were separated. And, you know, Pennywise was also on the tour. It was the first time I'd gotten to know Fletcher at all. He actually was in our traveling party. And, you know, during the day, I had a couple really great conversations with him. Uh, He did inherently terrify me just in general because of his size and and demeanor. Um, Yeah, he's a great white man. He's a great white. Yeah. And I remember so I, I go and try to catch you guys. I believe it was the last night of the tour. And I'm on stage and I see Fletcher on the other side of the stage really getting into a handle of vodka um, and starting to get pretty hyped up. And, you know, I'm on the other side of the stage being like, you know what, I'm going to stay over here because I I don't know what's about to happen. And before I know it, maybe it was my sixth sense. Fletcher was on stage with you guys. I remember seeing maybe a couple headlocks where he started giving you some vodka. Um, Yeah. And then eventually turned into like a broken bottle, uh, yeah. him cutting his, his chest, throwing the bottle into the crowd, like really, really wild stuff. And you guys were, were all up for it while it was happening. But can, can you give me your memory of this situation and what actually happened? <laughs> yeah, well, that was like, you know, that was like building of like, uh, uh, you know, that was like a, an epic kind of just grand finale, you know, it's just right. like, that was uh, you know, so Fletcher's a good friend of, of mine and, and the bands, and, and it's like that, you know, that tour was so much fun. And when you, you know, you, when you go down to Australia, it's like, Australia's the best, oh, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, that it's like, it's just, it's such a special place, especially uh, for rock and roll music, for mm-hmm. punk rock music, for garage music. I mean, they fucking love it. You yeah. know, yeah. they live it, they breathe it. It's, it's, it's a, a vibe. And it's like, and going back to California, you know, I used to, I, I used to compare Australia to like, it's like California Island, you know, yeah, it's like, could see it. it's like, it's like, it's just like, you know, it's like, what, like coastal, like kind of surfing and, and rock and roll and just kind of easy. I don't know. It's just, it's, a, it's an amazing place. So when we go down there, we let it all hang out extra. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's, it's, yeah. it's always, it's always a, just a little bit more. And, you know, and Fletcher was on that tip with us. You know, so we we, we play in and, 
uh, in that night he was hammer drunk and it's yeah. like I'm, I'm looking at him on the side of the stage and he's like cross-eyed you know yeah and yeah he's got he's got the big old thing of vodka and he comes out during history stranglers and he just he, I like he comes out he puts me in a headlock and gives me some vodka and then he grabs Mike. He says like the Bronx is the fucking best or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like out of nowhere. And then he he grabs the bottle and he fucking slams it down and it just shatters. And then he grabs a uh, a piece of the glass and he lifts his shirt up and he just starts slicing his stomach up. <laughs> and dude, I mean, and like like and doing damage, dude. Yeah, like doing yeah, damage. Yeah, yeah. Like the scar, the scar he's got is insane. So. He sliced himself to shit, and I'm like looking at it like, whoa, like you know, I'm still singing the song, and then of course, you know, he comes at me, and then I'm just like, ah, shit, you know. So then he's like, he's like, punch me. Oh. <laughs> he tells he tells me to punch him, so I'm pretty sure I punched him. I don't remember if I did. But it wasn't it wasn't anything noteworthy, that's for right, sure. Right, right, not a so haymaker. Yeah. yeah, at this point, he's just he's a hurricane. Yeah, and so he picks me up. You know, he's hugging me and slamming me. We wrestle on the ground. I got his blood all over me. You know what I'm saying? So then it's just one of these things. And, you know, the crowd's going crazy. Yeah, you know, yeah. Everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we end the set. I think Jorma ends up trashing the drums or something. It just turns into a big mess. So then we get back. We get backstage. And he is, man, he is cut. He is cut to shit. And, uh, like real, he, like real cut. Like this needs attention. Like cut. stitches? Oh, no, yeah. no yeah. Oh, st- multiple stitches, oh. dude. Like, like a ton of stitches. Okay. Like it, like it looks like uh, it literally does look like a shark bit him in the stomach. Holy shit! Yeah, uh, yeah. So we, he gets back there, and then he's got. I mean, he went to the hospital, and like the, the story he's got about the hospital about like that, like him wanting like stitch himself up. <laughs> like, oh my god! He was, like, he, was a, he was he was a nightmare in the goddamn hospital. God bless the people who put him back together, but. Did he uh, willingly go to the hospital? Like he actually was like, "I'm going to go to the hospital." I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I doubt it. You know, but he uh, I feel like he might have been yeah. have to put down first or something. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 the dude, though, man. I I love that guy so much. He's you know he's that's the thing. It's like one of the things that is is really really cool about uh, about you know music and art and you know especially punk rock is you come across. You know, you come across people who, you know, who who do it, you know, and who appreciate it and who are legit. Yeah. But they don't, they don't really, they're, they don't, they don't, you know, they, whether it's just a, a personal choice or just who they are as human beings, they just have control. You know, they just, right. they just, they just, they have control and they don't really, you don't ever really see them get out of that zone. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. it's like, there's, there's other people, you know, who it's like, when when it's when you hear an electric guitar or when you hear a song that you fucking love or you see a band that you fucking dig it doesn't matter what age you are who you are where you are what you're doing like you're going to fucking lose control mm-hmm. and you're going to fucking go off cuz that's what fucking music does to you and yeah. that was him and that's me too and so yeah. it's like you know so it's like so it's like i i i get that and i fucking love that you yeah. know, so it's, yeah. 
So I, you know, I, I, I appreciated that moment so much. And it's like, we get, we get, uh, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to like, if you, that, that episode deserves like its own special. Cause if you can get him on here to talk about that, dude, it's, it's amazing. Like there, there, there's, there's a whole second half to that story that is just yeah. absolutely but I, I I couldn't speak on it for him. You got sure. to get him. Sure. All right. We'll get, we'll try to get Fletcher on. I mean, I even remember being, you know, cause I grew up listening to Pennywise. This wasn't some band I just like discovered on Soundwave. You know, I was like 13 years old singing along to bro him. So, you know, I knew exactly who they were, but I, I'd never met those guys. And, I remember Fletcher walking on like, you know, the way Soundwave tour works is like you're in a traveling party with like four or five other bands, you know, and you're often on the bus with them every day when you're going somewhere, you're on flights with them. Uh, yeah. And I remember Fletcher coming with a guitar with no case. He just had a guitar, <laughs> like just was carrying around an electric guitar, like in the airport, yeah. you know, yeah, wherever he went, like up to the hotel room. I'm like, you know, I figured the guy from Pennywise would would have a case, you know, would have like some extra strings, would have some shit like that. But it was just like this guy just showed up to Australia with his guitar and do the thing. You know, I was like, this this is remarkable, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, he's just one of the he's he's a classic. He's just a classic, just human being and just like punk rocker. And it's just like, you know, he's just. One of those guys. It's just like you know, he'll he'll mosh in a hotel lobby. He'll he'll do anything. It's just it's in his blood, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you gotta respect it, man. It's like I think the the caveat to, to guys like that is when you take the control away and you put it in a like six seven two hundred eighty pound body or something. Yeah, and no one can control that. You know, even when it gets out of control. <laughs> oh man, that was uh, I. I think it was actually the same sound wave uh, that hit that Queen because Queens was on that, right? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. So there, there was a night after one of our one of our sets that Josh and and Fletcher were backstage. Oh my God. They were throwing like they were throwing uh like huge like construction bricks that were like tied that were basically like around the poles to hold the stage down. Yeah. I mean, those two together, dude. I mean, those are some giant dudes. Yeah. I mean, we we were always wondering, like, oh, that'd be such a great fight. Like, I wonder. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got to put but, my money on Fletcher there. Josh is a giant dude, but Fletcher Josh, seems to yeah, have. Josh, Josh, Josh can fight, dude. He can throw Josh, down? Yeah, Josh can fight. All right. Josh can, Josh can most definitely fight, you know. We, oh, uh, and so, I see, know. This is yeah, the pay-per-view yeah. I want to see, you Yeah. Know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, you know, they're, they're, they're friends. So that's, it's, it's better. It's better that way. Sure. But those, those two guys, you know, with some cocktails in them. Woo. Yeah. Oh man. That's the thing. I remember, I remember being at a festival once and I don't really know Josh. We'd met him a couple times and literally within 10 minutes, I think he just took a liking to a couple of the guys in my band. We gave him a little, you know, a little weed and, he was trying to convince us there was some new metal band on the festival and he's like, let's go to their backstage, just get in their room and start trashing their backstage and like fucking with them, you know? And I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm like, I don't want to do that, I don't think, you know? <laughs> I like, I wasn't, I wasn't like punk enough to hang out with Josh Homie at all. Like, I don't think I would have made like 15 minutes without being like, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. 
Because I'm the other guy you're talking about. I have too much control. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be remiss to not ask this because I know not a lot of going off track fans give a shit, but I give a shit. So you're you're a diehard Lakers fan. Yeah. You've been forever. Can you quickly, yeah. I know it's a bummer, but can you quickly tell me like where you were at when you found out about Kobe and your kind of immediate and long-term reactions now for, from that? Like was he oh, one yeah. of your all-time faves? Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. For sure. I, I saw Kobe uh, play a bunch of times, man. And uh, I, I got to see him hit a game winner once in yeah. Staples. That was, that was pretty amazing. But so we have, uh, uh, you know, I got a, like a sports thread with like, you know, my brother and, you know, Brad, uh, you know, of course, Bronx, yeah. well. my, my go-to for, for anything, uh, anything Louisville. Hell yeah, he's the man, and he, the he just mayor, opened a, basically. Yeah, he just opened a bar in Louisville too, which is awesome, man. It's awesome. Respect uh, to Brad. Uh, Brad's an old, yeah, old yeah. school buddy who's slept at my apartment and stuff before with his old bands. I was super happy to see him be in the Bronx. Hell yeah, he's he's the fucking man. So. Uh, so it's him and, and my brother and a couple other buddies. And, uh, you know, I think it was our buddy Donnie who, who t- chimed in first. I was literally just waking up and uh, it was like, you know, there's a rumor going around that Kobe's dead. You know, it was like, like it was like when it first hit, it was like, okay, it's on TMZ. And then it was off TMZ. And then right. it was like, it was on the internet. And then, it, you know, obviously it kind of trickled in. And uh, at first, when it came down that, that he was dead, it was just like, whoa, like, holy, like, holy shit. Like, it's, it still didn't even feel real, honestly. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, I didn't know the guy, but it was like such a, it's such a crazy thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was so sad. And then it was just, you know, when the news just kept getting worse, you know? And then it was just like, oh man, his daughter was in there. Yeah. And then it was like, oh man, there was like, you know, six other people or whatever it was, you know, it was just like, it was so sad, man. It was just absolutely brutal. And you just feel so bad for, you know, the families. I mean, like one of the families in there, like it was like a, a dad and a mom and a daughter and they had yes. a daughter out, outside. So it's like, you yeah. have like a daughter, like a, a girl, that's like a whole yeah, family. crazy you know I mean? things. And it's just like so, so intense and so sad and just so fucking weird with the helicopter and the I fog know. and just like surreal, so right? At first, you were just like, wait, what? How is yeah. that possible? How is this possible? Yeah. Yeah. So insane, man. So insane and so sad. And it was like, you know, he was, uh, he, he was a, a, a big basketball hero of mine, obviously, lifetime Laker fan. I grew up like, you know, uh, when they were still kind of playing the form and, you know, I was like, uh, you know, as a kid, it was, uh, you know, the magic squad and, you know, all that. And, and, uh, you know, the original, you know, kind of showtime era. And then, uh, you know, as, you know, the new kind of wave came through with Shaq and, yeah. and, and Kobe, it was just like, that was like the prime, like those early 2000 squads was just sure. like absolutely insane. Were you a Kobe and, or Shaq guy at that time? I know everyone had a side. Uh, initially, initially I was the Shaq guy. You're a Shaq dude. guy. I knew it. Yeah. I knew you. I knew you were a Shaq guy. All punk Shaq. rockers were Shaq guys. Well, Shaq Diesel was. Dude, he was just so. He was so dominant. And when dude, he had like the best dunk ever. Dude, when he would just dunk on everybody and just like yeah. it was just it was just pure force. But yeah. I but I always loved Kobe too. But I just I didn't appreciate Kobe until they kind of like once they started really winning, and then when Kobe really established himself as 
you know, equal, if not greater, right. you know, then it was, but to me, you know, he had to kind of earn the respect on Shaq's team yeah. and he did it and he did it, you know? So, yeah. yes. you know, so, so that was the way it went down for me. But yeah, I mean, when, 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 when he died, man, it was, uh, it was just heartbreaking, dude. And it's like, it's still, it's still one of those things where you think about it and it's like, it's just so strange that he's not around. You yeah. Know? Did you get down to Staples Center at all? Were you, were you able to do any of the... I, I didn't go down there. It just, it felt weird, you know, and it's yeah. like, I, I wanted to go down there, but honestly, it was just, I don't know. It was just, it's just too out of it. You know, it's just like, I, I just didn't feel like, I don't know. I, I just didn't make it. I, I, sure. I, I, I want to say I regret it, but I don't. I mean, yeah. it's like, I, I spent, I spent plenty of time, you know, you know, trying to understand it all and watching everything and reading everything and, and dealing with it in my own way. But, you know, it's like, it's crazy, man. I mean, it's like, you see, you know, I mean, it, that's, that's the, that's the whole other trip about all this stuff is, you know, I mean, it, man, you can, you can go at any time, dude. Yes. You know, you can go, at, anybody can go at any time. And that was like the thing. It's just yeah. like, it was like a strange wake up yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, you know, you forget about that shit when yeah. you're living, man. Yeah. You, forget you can die at any second, man. Yeah. It's, you really do. And even people and, with burgeoning futures and a million things in front of them. Yeah. suffer the same same fate as everyone else yeah. i think it was strange too with him and the idea that you know even when you start to idolize like a singer or someone in music or something like that you don't often follow their path from like 16 years old to like grown man with a family you know like, yeah. like my favorite singers I, I you're not so intimately tied with their lives like that but the way athletes are depicted these days you know, you knew everything about this guy from the minute he was 16 to the minute he passed. So it did, yeah. even for someone like me, who's just a giant sports fan, you know, there was this, this, uh, really like obvious loss that, that felt very tangible, you know, when it happened. And I, I think that's part of it. It's like you watch some, you watch the kid grow up and yeah, you, know, no, you, you sure. watch him become something different. And then, and like you said, watch someone get taken in an amazingly sudden way that makes you start to think about your own mortality and shit. It, it turned into a very powerful event because of that, I think. Full on. And it was, it was, it was uh, a little extra heavy, you know, down here because he was, you know, he was an Orange County guy. You know, it was right. like an, an pilot and the families, they were all, you know, like one of the, one of the, uh, baseball coaches lived in Huntington and another one, the, right, the, right. the pilot in Seal Beach, which is, you know, everything was like basically, you know, I mean, Newport's kind of the next town south uh, from Huntington. And, you know, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's like a beach city. It's got, you know, obviously it's super kind of rich Orange County, uh, you know, sections of it, but it's right. also got its, its little, you know, beach wrap spots too. But, you know, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was a, uh, a big figure down here, you know, yeah. it was like, and it was crazy too, dude. Cause you, you know, I, you know, uh, obviously being the fan that I was, you know, everyone knew about the, the helicopter, you know, cause he was like a famous story of like his first day, like Laker game. Like he was, he didn't understand traffic on the four hundred five, and he was like an hour late. Right. And so like, from that point on, like he saw, he just started figuring out what to do. So you would see, his helicopter. I mean, when they when they would uh, when they would practice in El Segundo over by LAX and all that stuff, you would see him all the time fly from Newport 
uh, you just he would just take the coast. He would just right. literally he would just sway like four or five in the air. You know what I mean? So you would see his helicopter go by all the time. Kobe all didn't the time. have time for traffic. Hell no! Come on, you know. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, uh, but but yeah, so it's 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 super crazy, you know. And then you yeah. just think like, yeah, there's just so many weird things, you know. Like it's like you know, there, you know, you get to that point where, you know, you're you're such a, you know, you can't really, you're such a star, you can't really do certain normal things. But then it's like, yeah, fuck, it's like it's crazy, like you know, helicopter, like that they were they were going to like. Uh, they weren't going far, man. They were going. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It was like a, like a valley or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it was just like, it, 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 it just, I don't know. It's so many crazy things. But yeah, it's like, it's it's just tragic, man. But the yeah. saddest thing is obviously the, you know, the kids and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like, uh, it's just like, you can't feel, I feel so bad for, you know, his wife and all that stuff. It's just crazy, man. Death is a, death is, is no good, man. <laughs> that is a fact, man. Oh, good. Oh, uh, good. Well, we've been going a long time, and I bummed you out at the end. Uh, but Thanks, bro. I have the hardest question I need to ask you right now out of the whole hour and 30 minutes. I need your Lakers, the Lake Show, all time starting five for you. <laughs> Which I know uh, this is a brutal question, I'm sure, especially nah. for the Lakers, because you got such a storied history. If I was doing this for the Nets, it would take about four seconds, you know? Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, probably, you know, Shaq, Magic, Kobe. Uh, I mean, I, do you include LeBron? Already? Maybe. I don't know. No, it's like, I, I don't no, think, no, no, you can't. I'll, not yet. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. All right. So we got Shaq. Shaq. Uh, obviously, Kobe Magic. Um, you gotta go, Kareem. Mm-hmm. You gotta go. I gotta get the you go logo. You gotta get the logo in there. You gotta get Jerry West in there, probably. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think my yeah top five would be. Let's see here. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go Shaq. I'm gonna go Shaq, Kobe, Magic. I'm gonna go Shaq, Kobe, Kareem, Magic. Uh, and yeah, I'll throw the logo in there. I'll throw Jerry West in there. Okay. I mean, you can't. How can you deny any of those? No, you know, I, was, no. I was maybe hoping for a James Worthy or a or a Pau Gasol or you know you know something. You know, it's, you know, you know so you know, I went to Christian high school, right? I went uh-huh. to. Uh, High school in Whittier, and uh, AC Green came oh, yeah. and, and and talked to us about like uh, like abstinence because he was <laughs> he, he was like a virgin, he was like a virgin for it. And I'm not I'm not clowning, okay? I'm Wait, not was AC Green was a virgin while he was on the Lakers? Yeah, AC Green was like a virgin till he was like I don't, he might still be a virgin, dude. Wow. Yeah, he was like and it, it was like and it was so funny, dude, because it was high school, you know what I mean? So he comes and he's talking to us. About like uh, you know, don't have sex. You know, it's yeah. like save yourself till marriage and all this stuff. And we're just like, dude, this guy is—he's uh, a fucking Laker, and this guy <laughs> is just blowing it. You know, <laughs> like I don't think there was a student in the goddamn gym that wasn't laughing at his ass. You know what I mean? But to each, but to each his own. But I'll never forget that because that was honestly that that time in uh, in like. 
and I, I, whatever Christianity, I guess you want to call it for, right. for whatever was so, was so funny, dude. Cause like, <laughs> you know, cause I, cause I went to the, I went to Christian high school basically cause El Rancho, the high school in my district in Pico, uh, I, you know, I, it was, it was heavy, heavy gangs. And my, my, okay. my mom, mom really didn't want me to go there. She was just scared to death. So she sent me to school in Whittier. So and it was cool. Cause I, you know, I ended up meeting everyone I know and all that shit. So it's all good. But, um, I, I, you know, I ended up not graduating because I fucking failed Bible, but, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the thing, right? At Christian high school, you don't graduate unless you pass Bible. Right. Unless, yeah. So at the time, it was, punk rock you that you. Well, yeah. Well, it was failed Bible study and they get out of high school. I mean, dude, it was it was so judgmental in that time too. It was just like I mean, you go. I mean, you know, like at, like my senior year, I'll never forget. So I got kicked out like halfway through my senior year, and I ended up just graduating like continuation school. But you know, I had Bible my first uh, first class senior year, and you know, like. Uh, you know, you go, you go wake up, you know, you'd be like, all right, I'm going to school, you know, and be like, okay, I'm like doing this. I got friends. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's all good. And you go to Bible first period and it's like, you know, fucking gays are going to hell. Everyone's, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's like, you know what I mean? It was, it was, yeah. it's like, it was hardcore judgment at that time. Right. And it's like, it still is to a certain extent now, but things have like, you know, it's not the way it was, but at the time it was just like literally, like if you know anyone who worships in any other way, if there's any other gods, if they're not like straight heterosexual, like that, like everyone's going to hell, right? <laughs> you know, right. you know, and it was just like, fuck, this sucks. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's, that's, that's a, not true. That's a yeah, cold that's, cup of coffee, yeah. first people. Yeah. <laughs> that's not it. It's like that's not true. You know, it's like so. I, I, I always, I always had the mindset of like, you know, fuck that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. but, but what was funny about it was, you know, the chapels every Wednesday, man. They were so, they were just so over the top and cheesy. And it's like, do we have like? Do you remember the power team? No. You know the power team. The power team was this like group of Christian bodybuilders. <laughs> dude, dude, they they would come through and they would like rip phone books in half for, for Jesus, you know? Dude, dude, it was <laughs> Oh my god. It was so amazing. It was so amazing, dude. And it was it just became this thing where and then you know, so you had you know, you had the power team ripping stuff in half, you had AC Green telling you not to fuck, you know. Yeah, you had all this, all these different things happening, and it was just—I mean, it was just hilarious, dude. It was like that, that, that kind of that era of of religion, and even like you know, that was still kind of you still had a a, a good dose of like televangelism going on at sure. that time too. So it was, it was, uh, it was definitely an experience, you know, yeah. and, and a good time to kind of like you know establish your own way of thinking. Yeah, you know, that yeah. was like that was like the one thing that they probably didn't want me to get out of going to school there, but that's the one thing that I got that I'm eternally just thankful for was, you know, learning to think, uh, you know, with your own mind and to yeah. not just, just take things that people tell you, you know, especially heavy things like that. Like if you believe a certain way or if you love a certain way or if you identify a certain way that you're not getting into the after party, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Like, that type of shit, I was just, you know, I was, I was, 
smart enough to be able to raise my finger to that way of thinking at an early age. And that, you know, obviously it goes hand in hand with punk rock and, and all that stuff and just identifying as, as, as a, a free thinking human being. So, uh, you know, so I, that's what I got out of high school, you know? Well, I love that the power team helped somehow create the Bronx, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, what, yeah, a, what a perfect scenario. Couldn't have been better. Look them up. Dude. Look them up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, the American gladiators. It's just, like, too funny, man. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. Yo, Matt, we've been, we've been on for a while, man. I think that's good. I think we'll cool, bore brother. everyone if we talk anymore. But, yeah, yeah, thanks so much for doing this. It was so much fun. I've, you know, I, you know, I've been a huge fan of the Bronx from from day one. Been rocking, rocking your hat, rocking your gear anywhere I can because you're just one of the greatest bands to come out of America in a really fucking long time. And I appreciate everything you do, man. Thank you, man. Right back at you. It's great talking to you. I appreciate you having me on. Yo, pleasure. I'll hit you up soon, man. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. (laughs) Oh, producer Brad. Mm. You've been a hell of a producer lately. the fucking Fletcher story is horrific. Oh, my goodness. And I found a picture that that doesn't make it any better. Dude, and now, like, now that the story's over, let me tell you the real, like, what I was doing during that story. <laughs> I didn't see Fletcher on the other side of the stage. He was on the same side of the stage I was, yeah. and I went to the other side of the stage. <laughs> because, like, I kind of saw this playing out where I was like, oh, he's getting hyped. You just got the vibe. He's handling that bottle, like. Right. And, and I had had, like, a casual relationship with him so far, so I'm like, I'm going to the other side just so... I can just watch and not be dragged into yeah. whatever the fuck is going to happen. And I watched it all play out. It was insane, dude. And the part of the story that he didn't even tell is the fact that that, that broken bottle went into the crowd. Wow. Like, literally but, got tossed so into the crowd. He slashed himself with the bottle, or was it an he accident? Did. Oh, God. No, 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 no. He, Multiple, he was doing it. Right. Multiple times. Oh, he just so went gross. for it, man. Dude. Went oh. for it. And, and... Some other people involved with the situation told me what Matt alluded to, the fact that, like, it was difficult to get him to the hospital and his right. behavior in the hospital was pretty insane. I had heard from some other people that that was, like, very much true. And it took, like, a great negotiation to get him to even go get himself checked out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Jesus. But, you know. Punk rock, like, baby. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a true punk rocker. It's just, like... Not some like skinny kid from the suburbs, you know. It's yeah. like a that's just a punk rocker you can't you can't put in a box because no one's gonna put him in that box, you know. <laughs> I'm certainly not. Fletcher's definitely a a mythical beast. In, sure is, man. He always what a great been. band. What a great band. <laughs> and then what a what a finish to that interview with the power team at school. <laughs> Christian bodybuilders. You can't I'm wait upset. to go look up the power team. No, because that's so cool. <laughs> I love like the things that people would do to try to spread the word of God. Like, like how did that happen? You know, there's just three guys working out at Gold's Gym who are just like, yeah, yeah, like nice you know, I'm cross. a man of faith. Yeah, you guys look great. <laughs> like, like what can we do that's positive? Hey, is that a- let's go fucking let's go bodybuild at Christian schools? Is that you know? a tattoo of our Lord on your th- on your chest? There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's just like I love that shit. It's too funny, and and honestly, it's one of the reasons I've always had a hard time 
buying into this stuff because I'm like, if this is like the ultimate word of God, like, why do we need like this much advertisement? You know, like, <laughs> like if it was, if it was like the true thing, like of, maybe a lot of PR. Maybe we, <laughs> maybe we wouldn't need the power team. I'm just saying, a lot you know? of PR behind Christianity. I was hoping for a couple deep. He gave us like not only his top five Lakers, he gave us like the top five Lakers right. of all time. Right. I was hoping for some random deep cut, you know, like a like a Michael Cooper or something. But but he he went for the hits. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's hey that the hits are what it is, man. Right. Yeah. It's probably he'd probably be. This is why he's been a success in the music industry, Brad. <laughs> he knows the hits. He knows the hits. You got to know the hits. But yeah, that was awesome having Matt on. I thought that was a super fun conversation. Absolutely. Quarantine talk is always a little bit of a bummer. What are you going to do? It's comforting, I hope, for those other people out there going through the same thing. So I think it's been really interesting talking to different people because it's like you can sort of see the people who are managing to find silver linings day to day, people who go the other way. And really, like, most of the people we talk to would probably give a different illusion of what's happening to them on a different day. Yeah. No, that's You really know, like, like, you're literally catching people in some of the most vulnerable or strong or impassioned times of their life. It's a fucked up time. It's the man. one thing that I'm really noticing personally is that you just, you, you can really get into your own head, you know? I mean, oh, I've yeah. questioned every part of my fucking existence during this thing, like... But I, but I do notice it like when I do get little kind of things, you know, what it doesn't, like I said, that treehouse was for real, dude. That was like, yeah, that was awesome. You needed a visceral, hands on, old school dad old shit, school like thing. fucking yeah. building a treehouse, man. Yeah. And doing, and, and maybe even doing something where you start it and have the sense of completion and, and all that yeah. in the same day. That sounds great, man. I'd love to build something yeah, But like I that. would definitely, that's my, if I would have any advice, and I think it's why you see all these like posts. I mean, I can't believe how many people that I know who normally just are not the domestic types who are like, clean the whole house today, really proud of it, you know? Like, right, 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 it's right. It's just like, just do something. You can do anything. Like, whether you make a craft, whether you fucking fix your, yeah, sure. fix, fix some furniture, that's another one. I go around the house fixing furniture, and that is very satisfying. Totally. I mean, it's what Matt alluded to, right? It's like, you know, if you take away a musician's identity by not letting them play music, they're going to sit around going like, was I ever doing anything? What kind of person I am? And I think that same thing applies to every single person who's home. And I I think the biggest highlight of this is how how much of our identities – have always been framed by our professions. Right. You know, and like literally, like when you die, the first thing in your fucking obituary is like, oh, 40 years working at the Ford plant. Right. Or, you know, like something like that. But nothing about like your spirit, the way you thought about things, the way you saw the world, like any of that stuff, the things that personally feel so important from the outside world is only validated through a profession. And, so I think a lot of people are having that head scratcher moment where they're like, wait, is being a compliance officer the thing that I want to tell my <laughs> is kids? Is that my identity? 20... Now, I am happy summer's here. I've definitely, my spirits are definitely raised by summertime, for sure. We're in bed together, baby doll. For real. Look at you. This is, this definitely, <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody to walk in. This looks like, this looks like phone sex, for sure. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have some assistant. I'll, I'll make a text to bring in the hot oils in a minute. Yeah. But speaking of hot oils, I'm not wearing a shirt because I can't afford one. So, you know, I've been, uh, we've been posting more on our Patreon. We put uh, the Sean secret interview up there, funny outtakes. I learned how to write messages on there. Yeah, nice so, job. So, you know, now I'm going to start talking to people and having some fun on there. So if anybody's got a couple extra shekels, shekels. Uh, maybe check out our Patreon. What's the address? Patreon.com slash going off track. Okay, I should be able to remember that soon. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and we could take suggestions for other guests. Uh, Benny talking too much about things that are sad. Brad not talking enough. Uh, you know, come and come and hit us on that thing. I want to know. There's links to all of that what's going on. on the website. You can link to the Patreon. You can link to like Twitter and uh, Instagram, Facebook. Be our friends, man. Yeah. Um, but but thanks to Matt for yeah. coming on and doing that. What, what They have some socials, right? The Bronx. Was it Bronxo Vision? Bronxo Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. And, uh, Check out them. Check out Mariachi. It's like a totally it's different good, thing. I, I, you know, I really impressive. like it. I I have no basis of reference. So that's where I'm like, I think this is good, but I don't listen to Mariachi but, music, so I'm not quite but sure. I'll tell but you, I know I enjoy it. I'll tell you why, it. why it's good and why it's successful. And I kind of wanted to say this to him, but I didn't really have the chance. But it's because they're not. They're not trying, I don't think, besides the outfits. It's right. not like they're trying to mimic traditional mariachi. They're taking mm. the rhythms, they're taking the ta- and they're doing their own thing to it. Like, you know, like, right. I mean, even like just the way he sings and even the content of the songs is not necessarily like trying to, like, I'm trying to think of an example where people have done that and it's just been too, like, like a ripoff. It's not a ripoff. Like, it's like, well, here, I got one for you. It's, it's Steven Tyler trying to rap. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that. that's or Blondie hard. trying to rap, or Marky Ramone trying to rap. Right. You remember that era where everybody tried to fucking rap? <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Okay, uh, yeah, that's yeah. bad. But yeah, it's not. It's like they're they're like saying like this is great instrumentation. Let's do our own thing with it. I think that's yeah. why they don't get. You know, that's why there's you can't really give them flack for it because they're not. You know, it's like just because they're using the instruments and the rhythms. It's it's. They're not trying to ape something else. Yeah. And I mean, if you get the respect of those Los Lobos guys, like you're doing, you're okay. That's it. Yeah. Because I mean, even, even I, I wanted to not respect the Bronx when I was, when I first heard yeah, a band because they from got Los so Angeles was called hype. the Bronx yeah. and you have all this hype and I'm like, you're not from the Bronx. You can't use that name. <laughs> and then I hear them and I meet them and I'm like, oh, I love everything about this band. They could call themselves anything they want. You know? Yeah. Uh, you gotta be good to get away with shit. No, nah, for real. For real, yeah, and they are, yeah. They they they're gonna ride high. I can't wait to see what those guys do next. Yeah. So, thanks for uh, listening. Yeah, to going off track. And thanks, we got a couple new patrons that just came on over the weekend. Thanks to you guys. I don't have your names in front of me, but we love you. And yes, uh, and you know, if you want to hit us at Venmo, Venmo dot com slash off track. Uh, give us a tip if you're into it. Give us a good review on iTunes. And other than and, uh, that, just listen to the show, man. Very cool guest next week, too. I'm excited about it. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to wake up early in the morning to do it. We're going <laughs> to do it. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks to Matt. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.